stand together again as Bob comes this morning to read our scripture. My eyes fail from weeping. I am in torment within. My heart is poured out on the ground because my people are destroyed, because children and infants faint in the streets of the city. They say to their mothers, where is bread and wine? As they faint like the wounded in the streets of the city, as their lives ebb away in their mother's arms. What can I say to you? With what can I compare you, daughter of Jerusalem? To what can I liken you, that I may comfort you, virgin daughter Zion? Your wound is as deep as the sea. Who can heal you? The visions of your prophets were false and worthless. They did not expose your sin to ward off your captivity. The prophecies they gave you were false and misleading. All who pass you clap their hands at you. They scoff and shake their heads at daughter Jerusalem. Is this the city that was called the perfection of beauty, the joy of the whole earth? All your enemies open their mouths wide against you. They scoff and gnash their teeth and say, We have swallowed her up. This is the day we have waited for. We have lived to see it. The Lord has done what he planned. He has fulfilled his word, which he decreed long ago. He has overthrown you without pity. He has let the enemy gloat over you. He has exalted the horn of your foes. This is the word of the Lord from Lamentations, chapter 2, verses 11 through 17. One of the most common sayings that is often quoted as if it's in the Bible, though it's actually not in the Bible, is, this too shall pass. You hear people say that often and, and attribute it to Scripture, and, and many actually have tried to attribute the saying to King Solomon, though it's not, as we said, in the Bible. The oldest recorded version of this too shall pass comes from a 14th century Persian Sufi poet. And for Americans, the reason why this phrase is, is more well-known to us, and even in American churches it's used more often, is probably because Abraham Lincoln used that saying, this too shall pass, in many of his speeches. The original sentiment was not just that hard times will pass, but also that good times will pass away. The thought behind it being that most of life is lived somewhere in between the extreme highs and the extreme lows. And just as those really difficult dark seasons, we might rightly say most of the time this too shall pass. So we can also say that in some of our most fruitful seasons when things are the best. Be prepared because this too also shall pass. In one of Lincoln's speeches, he said it this way. He said, an eastern monarch once charged his wise men to invent him a sentence which should be true and appropriate in all times and situations. And they presented him the words, and this too shall pass. Lincoln remarked, how much these words express. They chasten us in the hour of pride, and they console us in the depths of affliction. As we begin Lamentations last week, we acknowledged from the very beginning that we have been in a season that might at times feel like the depths of affliction. For the last two years, we've dealt 
with some very difficult things and we're still facing some difficult things right now and we began last week by acknowledging that all we have experienced together in the last two years has been really hard and I made the 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 comment that perhaps we would show more grace to people not less grace to people if we all just began by acknowledging that this has been really hard and I think we can take that even further and say that that none of us have yet made perfect sense out of all that we've experienced now there are a lot of people who will tell you that they've got it all figured out that they're absolutely right about everything and all of their opinions and all of their preferences are also correct but from my perspective I'm I'm still trying to sort out all that we've been facing and all that it means and and even had to wrestle with the idea that I might never fully know and understand all the reasons why all of this has happened and all that it's supposed to mean it may be generations past us that can finally look back and say this is all that was happening nevertheless this has been hard and so just as I promised last week I do not intend to use this series on lamentations to beat us up further and kick us while we're already down instead what I want us to do is is prayerfully use this biblical practice of lament to be able to to follow what others have modeled for us to say out loud some of these things God this has been hard and then hopefully find as we go some rays of hope in the midst of this book that remind us that God is good and that God can still be trusted and perhaps even to be reminded that this too shall pass so the first ray of hope and all of my points this morning are intended to be hopeful points which is a significant challenge in the text that we read together but my first ray of hope this morning is the reality that I think this text gives us that God sees even in the midst of the prophet who tradition says was Jeremiah even in the midst of the prophet crying out to God in lament there's this assumption that God sees their suffering that though at times he may feel distant he he still looks upon them he knows what they're facing and he sees them even as they're at their lowest point if you were here last Sunday in this service you know that our our two big screens up here failed and I'd had a painting that I showed the 830 service that I really wanted to show you all but but I just had to describe it and I promised you if you didn't look it up on your phones while I was preaching that I'd show you this week I almost called out a few of you who I'm pretty sure were looking it out on your phone uh, but I'll save that for another time I am a man of my word and here is James Tiso's painting the flight of the prisoners I know it's sort of hard to see from a distance but he painted this at the turn of the 20th century and there's a lot going on here but you can certainly see in pretty good detail what the text describes in the background is the city of Jerusalem it's clearly set aflame and you can even see God's temple is also burning in the background but what we're really meant to see is what's happening in the foreground that yes what has happened to the city itself is a tragedy but here are God's people being marched out away from their homes and being taken to a place where they will now live under the Babylonian taskmasters who you can see in Tiso's painting who are leading them out who will be to them brutal and cruel and who will make sure that they experience 
a complete lack of freedom like they used to know, who, who will, will only prolong their suffering. And you see the people of God, they're, they're being marched out. They're no longer going to be able to go into God's sacred spaces and worship. And they're certainly no longer going to be able to come and go as they please. They have been brought from a very high place to a very low place. And at the beginning of verse 11 in Lamentations 2, the prophet comments in first-person language on his suffering. He is not commenting on this suffering and grief from a distance. But the prophet is right in the middle of it. He is experiencing these things himself. He feels the pangs of hunger in his own body. He looks around and, and sees the grief and this vivid imagery, which was really hard to read in chapter 1, and it's really hard to read here in chapter 2. These are things that the prophet sees with his own eyes. He begins by saying, my eyes fail. The, the actual Hebrew here says, my eyes are worn out with weeping. I'm in torment within. My heart is poured out on the ground. And why is his suffering so great? Because my people are destroyed. And even the children are suffering. From the older children to nursing infants. The children are suffering the consequences under the brutal hand of this enemy who shows no mercy. And what the prophet is describing is not only what's going to happen to them as they're paraded out of the city and they end up in the heart of Babylon, but it's also what they have been experiencing. Because as we said last week, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon had been laying siege to their city for 18 months. So even in their own homes, They'd been facing starvation, being cut off from their resources. We read last week how the children were thirsty and hungry and they lacked basic necessities. And chapter 1 said their parents are bartering their treasures and their possessions just to be able to feed their children. When I felt led to this series, Endless Compassion, Lamentations for Lent, this was months ago. I had no idea that we would be seeing daily in front of our eyes present examples of this kind of suffering in the world. People who are, are cut off from that which they need most and, and children who are paying the price for decisions made by evil grown-ups. Chapter 2 here, verse 12 says, The children faint like the wounded in the streets of the city. Their lives ebb away in their mother's arms they've been saying mom dad where's the bread and the wine and now their lives are wasting away and and actually what we have here in the english version is a sanitized version of the really hard language that you find in the hebrew text and again the prophet has seen all of this with his own eyes and in verse 13 he looks for for something or someone to, to whom he can compare Jerusalem's situation. What can I say for you with, with what can I compare you, daughter Jerusalem? I would love to be able to comfort you and to say, well, here's another example of a nation, of a people, of a group who have suffered like you are suffering, but I can find no comparison. Your wound is as deep as the sea, 
And then the prophet asks the question, who can heal you? But I believe in this question, we already know the answer is known to the people, and it's known to the prophet. That now, as they've been hearing all along, the only answer for healing, the only way to restoration is to turn